All right. We are here, week five, the, the final chapter of James. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but James uh, is, is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's hard for me to pick just one. I like, you know, I like the whole Bible. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's hard to say. But as far as the epistles are concerned and their purposes and their ability to, to understand and comprehend and, 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 and recognize that it has its challenges, and James is rich. There's so much there. There's so much truth. There's so much to apply. So let's recap real quick where we're at and why we're, as we're wrapping up and where we're at with, with chapter 5. When James started out, we know that uh, the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey was done, made his way back to Jerusalem. There was this conflict, right, that was between the Judaizers, the Jewish Christians who insisted that Gentile believers start observing things like circumcision and only eating certain foods and certain Jewish behaviors. And then there were other Jewish Christians that were going, we shouldn't be doing that to them. You know, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Christ has died for us and that uh, he has redeemed us from the weight of the law and, and that he has fulfilled the law. And so there was this tension that was, that was mounting. And as a result, Acts chapter 15 tells us that the Jerusalem council said, look, uh, you know, the, you know the, 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 the decision is that we are not supposed to continue in these religious ritual practices in order to please God, but yet we now have grace. So they're writing to the Gentile believers in Acts chapter 15. There's a letter right there in the middle of the book in Acts chapter 15. This letter was sent out to the Gentile believers. James, who was the pastor at the Church of Jerusalem, then did what? He said, I'm going to write to those who are the, Gen or who are the Jewish Christians who are scattered abroad who have been uh, scattered and to live throughout the Gentile nations. And I want to address them so that everybody is getting word that we should be reconciling with one another and working with one another. And that's, that's the big idea. So where does the book of James begin? It begins with this theme of considerate pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because we know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what's, what's the big idea there? The idea is not that we should just be giddy about uh, trials and just like, you know, oh, this is exciting. You know, we're, we're having to go through hardship. That's not what James is saying. James is saying that our attitude should be focused on the end result. And that is, God is going to bring about maturity in our life. God is going to do something in such a way that when it's all over, our faith is going to be mature, and we're not going to be lacking anything because God is going to get the glory. And then when we look back on the trial, we can be joyful in that trial because of the outcome. It's a, it's a shift of attitude. So what we see throughout the book of James then is we see James continually coming back to that theme, continually coming back and revisiting the theme of trials, conflict. How do we deal with it? 
You know, we, we've talked about things like our tongue and controlling our tongue. Well, why is that necessary? Because if we don't learn to control that, we're not going to, to, to deal with conflict properly. We talked with about this idea that uh, we need to have humility. And we talked about that last week, and this idea of, of humility comes uh, at that moment before reconciliation uh, can occur. So we have this, this picture again and again throughout the book of James. And that brings us to the fifth and this final chapter. And when you read them isolated from each other, or when you just read a section or two, then you, you might miss the overall theme. You might just focus in on this paragraph, and, and yeah, you'll get the general idea, but you'll miss the big picture that James was trying to convey. So with that being said, let's, we're in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and let's begin at verse 1. Here's what it says. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cried out, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Now, here's key point number one, and then we're going to unpack this seemingly strange, out-of-place passage, okay? Here's key point number one. God has a plan for those who use their power and money to oppress and create the injustices we see in the world. Now, I think that this is incredibly timely considering the things that's going on in the world. We see a cultural shift in our world today. We're seeing conflict all over from... Yeah, from Dr. Seuss to mathematics to uh, good night to Mr. Potato Head is all uh, under attack. You know, so you know, what do we do? How, how do we deal with some of the issues that's going on? How do we deal with oppression? How do we deal with the injustices? I want you to consider this. First of all, as chapter 5 begins, who is James speaking to? He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl. So right off the bat, he is addressing who? He's addressing those who are the wealthy and they're using their power and influence to oppress others. It's unfortunate, but this is, this is nothing new. This is not unique to any culture. Uh, we've always dealt with oppression. We've always had injustices. But how do we deal with them as Christians? Well, James is giving us some insight. James is giving us some insight. He is saying, listen, if you are wealthy, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Listen, you know, if you're doing this, if you're oppressing, God is aware of it. God is aware 
when there are injustices in the world. And he is just warning them. He's saying, listen, God knows these things. Be aware. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Let's camp out there for a moment. Let me, let me explain why. Every single time in Scripture you see this word garments, you should pause and you should say, hmm, what is the significance of garments? Garments from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, were created for the purpose of atonement. Now, when we go all the way back to Adam and Eve, we recognize what? They tried to make atonement for themselves, and it was insufficient. And what did God do? God said, I'm going to make some clothing for you. And he slaughtered an animal. There was a shedding of blood, and then he gave them coverings for them that was sufficient. Why is that? Because it was a picture of what Christ is going to do. It's a picture of the fact that one day Christ himself, he is going to be sacrificed. He is going to become our atonement. Garments are always a picture of atonement. So here we're saying, listen, he, he's writing, he said, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Even, you, you know, you, you, you have this appearance of atonement, but there's, there's something wrong with it. Your gold and silver are corroded, your, and their corrosion will be a witness against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. Again, all of these things are issues. But I want you to notice this. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of the slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. There's still hope. There's still hope. Even for the oppressor. Why is that? Because the gospel is a win-win situation. Remember last week when we talked about how conflict resolution should be a win-win, not a win-lose? When we focus our attention on the gospel, it is a win-win situation. And when we look at the conflicts in our world today, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be looking at it from a winner's and loser's perspective. We should look at it through the lens of the gospel and be reminded that there is a way to think about this where there is a win-win situation. I think, that, I think that people have this idea that God is just ignoring the injustices in the world. There are some injustices, great injustices in the world. But because we don't see an immediate judgment does not mean that God has overlooked it or that he is ignoring it. 